New Year. I have good news for you. Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. And it's preparation time, being prepared to receive the King and all that's been established for us. I was looking through my notes. By the way, Rick's on vacation yet. Pray for him. He's fine. Hi, Rick. Bless you, man. But there's an opportunity to be able to share together from the Word of God. That's an incredible privilege, and I count it a privilege. I've had a privilege of doing this a lot of years. But I was looking through my notes a year ago, first Sunday in January, I preached as well. And the Lord gave me a word, I believe, that was very clearly for this past 2020. And it was Isaiah 33, 6. And it says this, And he, the Lord, will be to you stability in your times. A wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge in the fear of the Lord is, is treasure. And I gave that word. I've used it for a lot of years, but I had no idea what was coming in 2020 when I brought that word. But boy, did we need stability. Boy, and we still do. The stabilizing power of Jesus Christ, who's the Lord of all. He steadies us and establishes us. The person of Jesus and his word steadies and gives that stability. Now, Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3. He said, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Sounds like we're kind of smooth in the middle of that, isn't it? And then Jesus said this also. He says, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's one of the reasons we continue to teach on faith, because it's such an essential for us. And then John 6, 33, he said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. The overcoming is, is being in Christ Jesus. That's where we're established. And we're learning to do that together and learning how to walk with that. So I also have a word to share that I believe is for 2021. And this comes out of Romans 13, starting with verse 11. He says, do this knowing that the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Jesus Christ is at the door. That's the good news in all of this. There's a lot of things that are being shaken. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken, but the stability and the strength comes from Jesus Christ. So what are we doing in this season? How are we preparing for this? Verse 14 there says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. See, amazing grace is available to us on a continuum. And the love call of Jesus Christ always remains the same. He says, come child, come now, come as you are, not as you ought to be. And I'll give you rest. And he says this, take my yoke upon you. And I love this phrase, learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your souls. The souls he wants to control, the soul wants to lead, but it needs to come in subjection to our human spirit by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an absolute necessity as is the word of God. It's word and spirit that keeps us in alignment, it keeps us in balance, 
It instructs us in the way that we should go. So the come to me is a big deal. So we're going to continue today on this series of faith teachings that we've been using each time I get to preach. This is faith 322, faith expressed in obedience. And we're going to look together at the basic foundational truths from the Word of God, and my desire is that we would become functional in the Word of God. You know, if our theology works in the prayer closet and it works in the church house, but it doesn't work in the real world, then we haven't got much. It's got to be functional. It's got to be real, and it's got to be tangible, and it's got to be measurable. And I think that's one of the things the Lord is teaching us in this season to become functional, being able to receive so that you have something to give away. Enough to live off of, but enough to give it away and do it on a, on a continuum. So let's define faith again. I do this every time I teach in that area because a good teacher is a repeater. And so we say this over and over again because sometimes we forget that and we wander off course. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. One other translation says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance is something tangible, something real, something you can put your hands on, put your heart around, and what you can believe. Now I've put together a few statements just helping to us to define faith a little further in that area. Simply put, it's trust. If we brought faith down to one word, it's trust. Believing that God will do what he says he will do. Trusting, accepting, and receiving what is promised in the word of God. And then waiting and expecting. Expecting is a big deal. And if you have no expectation, you don't think everything's ever gonna come of that, or you're looking at what's not happening. Remember, it's the things that are not seen. That's the part we have the problem with. And so the area of trusting a little further in that, based on the word of God and his character. Don't miss that. The character of God. See, I've boiled down spiritual warfare to one thing. It's an assault on the character of God. Started in the garden. Has God said, oh, no, 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 you're not going to die. Liar, liar, liar. That's the... Any, the <laughs> The working of the enemy to undermine the credibility of who God is. Not just what he does, but who he is. He's truth. He's life. He's everything. <clears throat> then, faith is also willing to obey in detail his instructions. We kind of want to monkey around with some of that from time to time and say, well, you know, it says that, but it doesn't really mean that. No, no, no. God means what he says, and he says what he means. And he's very straightforward in that area. And you have to dance around it a lot in order to undermine the credibility of the word of God and what he means. So we watch and learn also from others what to do and what not to do. This thing is full of people who obeyed the Lord and a bunch of them who didn't do very well in it is, uh, at the same time. So we can learn from that. Here's another one that's a little bit tough. Willing to wait for his timing and not impose mine. You know, Lord, I need you to do this by, and then what are we going to do? Like withdraw or discredit or discount? No, this is long haul stuff. 
we're in this thing for however long it takes. We're going to look at Abraham. Abraham had to wait a day or so for some things to take place that God promised him. See, the promises of God are yes, and they find their amen in Christ Jesus. And all the promises of God are yes. But the time frame in that area, those are the things we struggle. That's the not seen part that undermines, again, the credibility of our God. So timing is as important as the event. Psalm 31.15 says, My times are in your hands, O God. And one of the clearest words I've ever heard him speak to me personally. I mean, I know exactly where I was walking down 21st Street in Federal Way, thanking the Lord that my times were in his hands. And then he says, but lest you have to put them there. And that's the part we have a struggle with from time to time is taking our times, putting them there and putting him under his authority and under his grace. So there's great safety in obedience. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Reward is not just what he does, it's who he is. We get him. He said to Abraham, and I will be your very great reward, or I'll be a shield to you. But the reward part is him. So we get Jesus and all what he does. Now, <clears throat> faith requires action to be effective and needs a foundation, and that's the word of God. So let's listen to Jesus. If you have a Bible, please turn to, to Luke chapter 6. We're going to begin there. If you don't have a Bible, there's a whole bunch of them in the, in the back there because you're going to need one today. We're going to go into a, a lot of different places. But Jesus is, I always want to listen to him and see what he has to say. Before I went to bed last night, I, I went into the place where I was reading in, in Luke 6 and began to recognize, and matter of fact, I said out loud to the Lord, I want to see what you're doing in the place where I was reading. And Jesus had been into the, uh, the synagogue there, and there was a man with, there with a withered hand. And they were watching him to see what he would do. And long story short, and then Jesus called him forward and healed the man, and they were angry with him. First of all, because he healed on the Sabbath day, and I think also because he healed a man. People that had any kind of physical things wrong with them were looked down at lesser, and they were undermined their worth and value. And that's one of the things our God does. He establishes worth and value. But the thing that jumped off to me, it says, and they were filled with rage. Boy, I'll tell you what, if that isn't a picture of our culture today, there is so much anger and strife and bitterness and, and et cetera. It's just everywhere. Somebody is angry about something. And people demanding their rights. That was the same thing with the church in Laodicea. It was about people's rights. You know what our right is? We have a right to give up our rights. That's really what it boils down to, to be able to come into a place of obedience and a place of submission. And that's what we're going to look at a little more thoroughly today. Verse 46 of Luke chapter 6. And Jesus speaking, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? 
Everyone who comes to me and hears my words, and here's the phrase, acts on them, I will show you what is like. So hearing is necessary, action is necessary. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when a flood rose and the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it was well built. Foundation is huge and based on the truth of the person of Jesus Christ and the word of God. That's what will bring us through when the pressure comes, when the flood comes. In Isaiah 59, it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, then the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him and put him to flight, which the breath of the Lord drives. Foundational things are huge. And what you believe and what you really believe at the core of your being will come out when pressure comes. That's what this whole cultural thing is happening right now. Things are being brought to the surface that some of us didn't know was in there, me being one of them. And then he goes on, verse 49, but the one who has heard and not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great as the house went down the river. And those are the kinds of things that happen to people that get blown away by circumstances and situations that were dumped into their life. And a lot of people have been pretty disillusioned in this season as well. Scripture we started with this morning is Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. What's Jesus been speaking to you? What are you hearing from him? What's being birthed in your heart? what's being corrected, what's being established. And that's the goodness of God. See, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And I believe it requires, again, an anointing of the Holy Spirit to be able to follow Jesus. Willpower, you know, we've all crashed and burned with that an awful lot of times. But when he speaks to you, there's something of the rhema word, the revelation of Jesus Christ is spoken to us. That changes everything. Mark chapter 4, um, this is 23 and 24. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By the standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given to you besides. Now, I've taught on this thing a lot of times out of Mark chapter 4. And if there was a section of scripture that I would recommend for people to, to do after you study John 14, 15, 16, and 17, it would be Mark chapter 4, because Jesus is speaking about the Word. The sower sows the Word. This is an incredibly important area to have a revelation, a personal revelation. So we're not just reading words on a page, but that the Word has the capacity within itself to cause itself to come to pass because it's supernatural. It's not black words on a white page or even a red letter edition in that dimension, but it's the area of understanding how the word affects us, changes us, and transforms us, and gives us ability to carry it out. But one thing that I had missed, it's by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So what's our standard? Standard is an interesting thing. I worked in the automotive world for a, a long time. Standard is an instrument of measuring. All measuring devices need to be recalibrated from time to time and being established because otherwise you get funky readings from time to time and you make poor decisions and things just don't go well. 
One of the instruments that I used at the dealership a lot was a micrometer. A micrometer needs a standard to be checked to see. And it's a, a simple tool that you place in the jaws of a, mic, a micrometer and you center it down and to see if it zeroes out. Is it accurate? Is it area of making accurate decisions along the way? So I suggest to you that the standard to measure what you hear is the word of God. Understand what you think or what you feel or what you want, but what does the word say? I've had to make a lot of adjustments in my life because sometimes the word of God pokes me in places I don't want to be poked. And I remember my, my senior pastor a lot of years ago said to me, Les, you will form your theology on all of scripture, not on select portions. Because I'd say, well, I like this part over here, but this part, mm, not so much. He said, no, 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 you take it all. You form it all on the word of God in its entirety. So that's what happens from time to time when people get off the track. It's because they've taken words out of context. Context, context, context. I cannot emphasize that enough. What does it mean in its context? And be able to embrace it. James says to receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul from going down some sorry trail of the flesh. We don't need that. We need to allow the word of God to do its work within us, and it changes and transforms us how we process information. Now, we all need to be recalibrated from time to time, and our standard has to be something that's constant and unchanging. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the unchanging one. Malachi 3.6 says, I'm the Lord and I change not. So that's an area that really needs to be addressed. So required action is building on a foundation of faith in Jesus in the word. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, no, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So let me ask you this question. What's distracting you these days? You know, Hebrews 12, 2 and Amplified says, looking away from all that would distract to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of your faith. And I've shared this story a, a number of times. I'm walking down 356 in Federal Way, having an out loud discussion with the Lord about something I'm incredibly upset about. And I love it when he comes back to me and quotes scriptures back to me that I've quoted to other people. See? And he said, Les, what's distracting you? He said, why don't you look away from that and look at me? And I looked up at about a 45 degree angle to my left. I did not have a vision or epitome or anything like that. But whatever I was so upset about dissipated because I looked him in the eye and I heard his voice. And there's something so incredible. See, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I needed to move away from the distraction and come into a place of receiving what he had for me currently. Well, that thing was just gone. I have absolutely no idea to this day what that was about. And that was a number of years ago. But I've used that example a number of times because it was so profound to me. What is that? Is it that's distracting you? So think about that area and look back to the king. 
Now, we said this is faith expressing itself in obedience. You know, obedience is a tough thing to talk about. You know, foolishness is the bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction has to drive it far from him. So obedience is something that we avoid. And it's, it's interesting that I have the privilege of teaching on this area because I went through a lot of rebellion in early, early years. And there's still some of that flesh stuff that's in there. It said, you know, tell me I can't do something. Well, just hide and watch. And then there's something in the flesh that just wants to do something in rebellion to what is required in a given situation. Acting on the word of God equates to obedience. So let's define obedience here for a moment. In, in the Greek, one of the meanings is to listen to a command, to be obedient, to submit to authority, to hear as a subordinate, and to listen attentively. Now from Webster, this also comes out of that, or compliance with an order, request, or law, submission to another's authority. Oh my, that pokes us in some places, and I guarantee you our culture is in resistance to submitting to authority in about every dimension, and they were looking for ways around that area. And it's why all these protests and stuff go on in, in that area. It's just, there's a, a lot of anger, a lot of pain, a lot of things, very honestly, that have never been addressed properly as well. And so there's reason from that. But attacking these things in the flesh just doesn't work. It has to be done by the power of God and by his word. Okay, turn now to Hebrews 11, and then we're going to look at our friend Abraham. <clears throat> Abraham has been uh, classed as the father of faith and has moved in faith. And it was, oh, he obeyed God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. But we look at a little bit of the process of that. And very honestly, obedience is a process. And you have to be able to embrace the process. The process is the goal. So I say often, stay in the process. Well, I got to see, I want some change now. Well, stay with it. Something grows. See, to as many as received him, him, Jesus, to them he gave power to become children of God. I can, I've been saved 40 plus years and I'm still in the becoming process. There's all of this area of this learning and he says, learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you'll find rest for your souls. But you've got to stay in the process. And many of us, me being one of them, have tried to avoid some of the processes or jump over things and not go through the hard stuff. I'm sorry. You're going to have to do the same as I do. You're going to have to come into a place of submission in order to be able to do that. Hebrews 11, starting with verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. I'm just going to stop right there for a minute. Have you received the call to become a child of God? This is a primary foundational beginning to obedience is receiving the love call of Jesus Christ. Would you come? Would you receive what I've done for you? Would you lay hold of these things? Would you take it for yourself? 
See, I grew up in, in church as a pastor's kid, and I was 33 before I really got that. I gave mental assent to the Word of God, but I wasn't born again. There's a radical difference between mental assent that comes from the soul and faith that comes in the heart by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord of our life. Jesus said, you got to be born again. He said that to Nick in the middle of the night. He says, you're a teacher of Israel. You don't understand that. I taught Sunday school as an unsaved person, taught good information, but I had no revelation personally for myself. You got to take hold of this. You got to embrace this and you got to believe it with the faith that he supplies, not something we try to produce. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of faith. It's the only way this thing works. And that's part of the whole concept of obedience and submission is coming to receive that which he's intended for you and gave his life for. So, calling. Take another little trail on that for a minute. Have you personally before the Lord, formerly before the Lord, received your call into the ministry? He said, well, no less, you're, you're a pastor. You, you're called into the ministry. Yeah, I was, but I resisted that call for a long time. But see, every one of you, if you know Jesus, you have a call to the ministry to be able to give away what he's given to you and to be able to establish that because you believed it in your heart. Now, I tried for a long time to communicate biblical information to people, but having no revelation of it, there's, there's that kind of stuff that you can't give away what you don't have. So we first got to be a receiver, receiving him. Then we receive his word, and then there's an empowerment to be able to give that away also. There's some chutzpah, some strength, some empowerment that comes by the faith that is supplied from the word of God. Now, this call to the ministry works really well in the marketplace because there's people that you, wherever you work, wherever you go to school or whatever you do, there are people there that will never come into the church house. People that I will never see, or Rick or Jake will never see either, but you will. And some of those are your neighbors also, people that need to have something communicated to them of the love and the grace of God. So yeah, you've got a call. Have you received that? This happened to me when I was, I was working as an associate pastor and still working at the, at the dealership. And I'm headed to General Motors School. And I heard a man, I was listening to a, a teaching, and he said, have you ever formerly before the Lord received your call into the ministry? And I'm already functioning in, in that area. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't think I ever have. So I pulled off onto the next off-ramp off the freeway, and I just declared that before the Lord. I formally received my call into the ministry. And I'm thinking all kinds of wonderful spiritual things are going to happen, and man, I'm just going to be something else, you know? Well, I can tell you for sure not a whole lot happened in that dimension for a while. But you know something that did happen? Something changed on the inside of me. Because I declared out of my mouth what I believed and I received by faith that he would do. And all these years later, well, here I am still, still doing the same thing. But a lot of the ministry that took place was in a car dealership. And that's not a very easy place to minister out of. But I guarantee you, 
there was a lot of people that were affected, me being one of them, by simply giving away and helping people find what they were not finding in the world. So receiving your call and obeying the call is another thing altogether. And it says he obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. Does that sound like verse one there? The not seen part? And by faith he lived as an alien in a land of promise as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city that has foundation whose architect and builder is God. Jesus Christ is is preparing a place for you right now so that where he is, we may be also. That's the good news that's for this year. I don't care what's shaking and everything else. The best is yet to come. And it's being with the king. The king's ruling now. Doesn't matter what's happening politically or worldwide or culturally or any of that. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That's what we sang this morning. Well, you know, you can sing songs, but you got to believe some of this stuff as well. And it's got to be laid hold of. It's got to be practical in the real world. Now, remember our area is uh, faith expressed in obedience. Well, Abraham is an interesting fellow. Now, number one, when the Lord called him to leave the land where he was going, he was supposed to go him and Sarah. Well, he took Lot with him, took his dad with him, and then they journeyed over to Haran, and they stayed there for five years. So there's a process in obedience. And, you know, Abraham is is a case in point that we go through from time to time, we partially obey. Well, partial obedience isn't real obedience. And then after five years, the Lord said, okay, man, time to go now. So he packs up and he finally does go. But never does fully receive the inheritance. His descendants receive that area. The promise of a son, all of those kinds of things Abraham had to go through. So God's promise remains and it's waiting to be received. And I know that in my own life because the last thing I ever wanted to be was a pastor. I grew up as a pastor's kid. You know, I just, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, that's not for me. But you know, one thing about the Lord, when when he makes a decision, he tells you something, he doesn't change his mind. I've tried to talk him out of a number of things. It just doesn't work. I'm the Lord and I change not. Remember that? But he's always gracious in waiting us out. Until we come to the place, you know, it's just a whole lot easier to obey him than it is to, because, you know, the hand of the Lord, he does discipline as well. I, I know that one because he loves us and graciously works with us. And I believe orchestrates circumstances in our lives to get us to a point of obeying him and carrying out his directive. And when we do obey, there's something of peace that comes. So if peace is missing, you're struggling with something, go check on what the last thing the Lord said to you. Have you done it? And have you done it completely? So these are the areas of being instructed by a good papa that has good things waiting for you to receive and to lay hold of and obey. Now, 
Here's a little bit more on obedience. Obedience in faith requires a death to my flesh, its desires and its appetites. It also requires us to wait and be long haul children. So look down at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom he, it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. He considered that God was able to raise men even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. You know, when the Lord asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, that was so counter to God. I mean, this was just weird. What's up with that? You know, he loves children and etc. But the test was to see whether Abraham would obey him. And we, we know that, that the Lord, Isaac says, hey, here's all the stuff, but where's, where's the lamb? And the Lord said, or Abraham said, the Lord will provide. Well, he provided a ram. Now there's a whole other teaching. I can't go into that right now, but Abraham believed God and it was a credit to him as righteousness. And he had to wait 25 years for that. And there were some incidents that took place in there that boy, didn't look like there was a whole lot of faith. But I guarantee you, Romans says very clearly that he wavered not in the promise, but grew strong in faith because of what God had put in his heart and what he demonstrated in obedience to the word of God as well. So obedience also means to change your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind so that you would know what the will of God is, even his good and perfect will for you. And then in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, and it says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or they're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the violent destruction of strongholds. And then verse 5 is, is very strong. It says, casting down of imaginations and every high thing that's exalted itself over the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to, here's the phrase, obedience of Christ. Amen. What does that look like? Go with me to John chapter 5 and we'll investigate the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> you know, I, most of you know that I really love the book of Ephesians. And we'll probably end up there sooner or later here. But the Gospels are what Jesus personally spoke. Now, he spoke through all, through by the Spirit to every one of the writers of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. But listening to Jesus and reading through the Gospels, and I, I often say this, in your own personal reading, read until something strikes your heart and then stop, don't read anymore. Look at cross-references, ask questions, ponder that, meditate on, spend some time in that area. 
and you will learn some amazing things. There's a lot of Bible study programs and et cetera, and most of them are geared for mileage. You gotta read so many chapters or you gotta do whatever. Well, you know, there isn't anything wrong with that, obviously, reading large amounts of scripture. But until something has been embraced and received, see, James says, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. And so that's the whole concept again of spending the time and seeing what he has to speak to you. Jesus said this in John 6, 63. He said, the spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and life. Those are rhema words. It's the same thing where, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Something that is spoken very clearly and very specifically to you. Those are the things that produce faith in your heart. And there's a concept in going on from faith to faith. Because the enemy's always got something in that area to undermine the credibility of the word of God. John 5, 19. Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he is, himself is doing in greater works than these that you, he will show him that you may marvel. Verse 30, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There's something of understanding again that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He had to move in faith in that area because I, I can tell you that there was a lot of things that he was seeing the Father doing that he was seeing by the Spirit. The Spirit came on him and he's walked in the Spirit same as he's requiring us to walk in the Spirit. And so there's some things from time to time that he's, he just was doing because he knew that's what Papa was up to. And there are things that we can do, and I'm going to expand on that in just a few minutes. John 6, 63, excuse me, John 6, 38. It says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So I've developed over the years a little adage that comes out of this John 5, 19, and most of you have heard this a number of times. Father, what are you doing? What's my part in it, and how can I most quickly align with that? The word alignment has really quickened to us in, in this last season. How do we align ourselves with what Papa's up to, what he has asked us to do, what does that look like in the real world? And so that requires me to come into a point of submission and coming to receiving that as well. Romans 5.19 for as through one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one Jesus, many were made righteous. And then Hebrews 5, 8, it says, Although he was a son, speaking of Jesus, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And sometimes we have to suffer from disobedience. Lord brought to mind, excuse me, a situation in my life of disobedience. And I don't like telling this story, but 
it illustrates a point pretty well. I was a, and still am, I guess, a very amateur woodworker. And I worked for a season with Andrew Campbell, who was a very professional woodworker. And he gave me a task to do for, uh, on a customer's project there that was attaching some trim. He said, just take this, this trim, he said, and I want you to use some glue and just take the, the brad nailer and attach that. Now, I need to tell you a little bit of story. I, I'm part of that area, it's, I'm a perfectionist guy. I'm trying to do everything accurate and having joints fit right and everything else is a big deal. Matter of fact, Andrew leaned over my shoulder more than one time. He says, Les, it's not a piano. You're spending too much time. You're being too <laughs> intense with this. But as I'm attaching this trim, I'm thinking, you know, these brads do this. I could just get this done. I don't need the glue. So I stuck this thing together, and when a customer comes and picks this thing up, they moved it a little bit, and some of the trim fell off. And Andrew says to me, uh, Les, did you use glue? I said, mm, er, uh, er, uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> and that's all Andrew said. And he took apart the work that I had done and redid it, obviously, using the glue. And all the time, carrying on a conversation with the customer about who knows what at that point in time. And it was embarrassing, it was dumb, it was shaming in that area. But Andrew did not shame me. He didn't need to say anything. I got the message big time. Because I figured out in my light and fast mind, the, the brads were not there to attach the trim, the glue was. It was to hold the trim in place while the glue dried. Right, Larry? Isn't that how we do that? Absolutely. So anyhow, there's a learning in those places of discipline. It's a lesson I, I don't think I'll ever forget again how incredibly important it was. And the only thing he said to me later, he says, let's just use the glue. I said, okay, I got that. I also heard this from a service manager one time and, and the thing he was teaching me in a whole new different procedure, he says, let's do it by the book first. Take the manual, do it step by step by the book, learn how to do it this way so you don't miss any steps. And I'm telling you, like I'm telling me, do it by the book. Don't try to dance around this thing. You miss the glue, something's gotta stick where we're vitally attached to Jesus Christ. That's the obedience part of this thing. I got that over with. Just the way it is. You walk in the light with some of this stuff. Some more verses on obedience. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. I use this as one of my cardinal verses. It says, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live by loving the Lord your God. Here's the phrase, by obeying his voice, by clinging to him for he is your life in the length of your days. And we talked about this early. Jesus had said to Nick, gotta be born again, man. That's the primary dimension of obedience is to be born again. 
Acts 2.38, Peter said to them on the day of Pentecost, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, Peter was giving away what Jesus proclaimed to him in Acts 1.8. It says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the uttermost part of there. He was giving witness of Jesus Christ. Because he's received that. He was obeying that. He'd entered into the ministry. I mean, the guys were hiding in the upper room and the Spirit of God fell and we got a whole new day. And if we're going to obey, it takes word and spirit to be able to carry these things out. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what gives us the empowerment. The Spirit of God is one is the voice behind you saying, now this is the way, walk in it when you would turn to the right hand or turn to the left. So, a couple other points here. Your and my obedience can affect others. Well, I'll tell you what, when I got saved, it affected a whole bunch of people because it affected my family. Things radically changed in the way I functioned as a husband and a father. I'm still in process of changing. I'm in the process. You know, this stuff doesn't just fall on you like ripe apples off a tree. You got to fight for this. There's a fight with the flesh, and I guarantee you there's a fight with the demonic realm also that's trying to undermine the credibility of you staying in the process with God personally, with His Word and His Spirit. Now, here's some other examples in this. When prompted, call this person and encourage them. Well, but Lord, what if that's not you? Well, you think the devil's going to tell you to go and encourage somebody? Come on. And most of the time, your flesh isn't either because you're avoiding it. You're avoiding ministry. But I've had this happen countless times. Well, I said, I'll call somebody and say, I just had an impression I used to call. How are you doing? What, what's going on in your life? And all of a sudden, we're into it. And I've had the same thing happen to me where people will call me up and say, is anything I can pray for you? What's going on? Those are some of the most profound things. Um, asking for forgiveness. Oh, if you think that somebody's got ought against you, you know, it says leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. Got to ask for forgiveness. And one of the ways I've had to do this a number of times, sadly, you know, when I said what I said, I was angry at the time. I'm not angry now. Would you let me withdraw that? Would you forgive me? Boy, those break things in the spirit realm. Boy, I, I, most of you have heard me tell the story about one of the things that happened at the dealership. Things, it's, story's too long to tell. But I guarantee you, when I walked through that area, it broke something between two departments in the dealership that had been there for a long time and developed a relationship of trust that exists to this day. So those are things that move mightily in the spirit. Right? When we obey, go ask for forgiveness. The same thing applies going extending forgiveness. They haven't asked for forgiveness. Sometimes they listen. I'm sorry, I just need to forgive you. Just let this go. It's over. It's broken. Now, bringing a scripture or prophetic word to build up, to encourage, and to comfort I was, it was interesting. It was 38 years ago in January. I was going to come on staff full-time at a church, 
and it was not going well timing-wise. There was just a lot of obstacles and et cetera. And I was incredibly dis discouraged. I was so done working at the dealership at the time, and I was just ready to get into ministry, which I had been doing part-time for a long time. And we're in worship, and this lady that I knew who she was, but I didn't know anything about her, and she certainly didn't know anything that was going on in my life. She came over and tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, listen, I have a word for you. Come out here for a minute. She took me aside, and she gave me Habakkuk 2, verse 3. And this was the word. The vision is yet for the appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it, for it will certainly come, and it will not be behindhand when it comes. I cannot tell you what that did in my spirit. It touches me even now as I quote that scripture because it so confirmed to me that I was on the right track, but I had to wait for it. I had to obey the Lord. I had to obey the senior pastor at that point in time. I had to be able to wait for the portion that was there. But this lady was obedient to the prompting of the Spirit of God, came and quickened to my heart a prophetic word that I needed to hear more than I could even tell you how much I needed to hear that. And I've had multiples of those over the years. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins, your faults, your slips, one to another, so that you, and pray for one another so that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of heart and mind. The continued heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Confession fits right in with 1 John 1 verse 7. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. This whole dimension of forgiveness. You know, Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, when you stand praying, forgive, leave it, let it go, let it drop. For if you from your heart do not forgive those who trespass against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. We could add of holding unforgiveness. There's such power in forgiveness. When we receive forgiveness, we can extend forgiveness. It's incredibly important. Here's one other area where your obedience can assist another person. I've had this a number of times where I had a sense that someone else had a word to bring, a scripture to share, or a prayer to pray. And they were chicken to bring it, as I have been multiple times. And I use this example because I love this lady. She was in part of my prayer group in Federal Way. And, and I would say, Joan, have you got a word to share? And she says, no, I have nothing. And I said, Joan, your Bible's open. What do you got? Okay, well, maybe I do. And she writes this, reads this scripture. And this happened so many times, I can't tell you. It was so bullseye on for what we needed right then, but she needed some assistance to be able to bring it. So going to another person and encourage them. So what if you're wrong? You're probably not. But they need the encouragement to bring what they were afraid to bring at the moment because we're afraid of failure. This walking by the Spirit is not three strikes and you're out. You swing till you hit the ball. I'm not going to go into some of my failures, but I have done some interesting things from time to time that weren't the Lord. But people got blessed in the process. And I walked through some things because of the process because I've heard the Lord say later, you know when you did that, you know that didn't work so well. Let's do it my way this time. 
Because sometimes the flesh gets involved in that. I wished it was differently, but we've all got flesh and spirit in the same earth suit, and that sorry pendulum swings back and forth, and sometimes you just miss it. Big deal. So you missed it. Recover, regroup, repent, and get it on. Re, I don't know if this is even a word. Re-receive your call into the ministry. You know, horse knocks you off, get back on, get after it. I don't have any idea where I'm at right now. Okay, I've gotten poked through this thing. It's time for you also. So let's test our attitudes. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to read down through some, through some scriptures, and we're going to see what the Spirit of God would quicken to your heart. First one is Romans 13. There's been all kinds of resistance to authority and anger and strife and division and disobedience of every sort through our nation. And sadly but true, there's a bunch of it's been in the church house as well. And so the Spirit of God is, is coming and bringing us into a place of are we going to believe this or are we going to believe what we want to believe? So let's walk through this. Verse 1 of Romans 13. Let every person be, every person, be in subjection to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which existed are established by God. Therefore, he who would resist authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they, have, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. The, ruler, the rulers are not a cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have the praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God and avenger to bring wrath upon the one who practices evil. And sometimes, you know, that doesn't happen immediately. Something take a while. But there are results for disobedience. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. And when you're off and you're, and you're not doing what's right in whatever dimension, your conscience is there to bother you. Don't quench the spirit of God. These are times where we need to take the action of going, well, I don't know what's going on here, but I invite you smooth into the middle of this. Okay, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, where it says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be confirmed. We've heard what Paul's got to say. Now we're going to listen to what Peter has. 1 Peter 2, we're going to start with verse 13. It says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king, as in one in authority, or to governors, as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men or rebellious men, it would probably be a better way, 
Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Notice verse 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. You know who the king was? Nero. When both Paul and Peter were speaking, probably one of the most diabolical persons that ever walked the face of the earth. Some of this will not make sense to our brain, I guarantee you. And all the government things that are coming down and etc. That's one of the things we've attempted to do as much as possible to be in submission to authority. Go with me to the book of Hebrews, a little bit to your left, Hebrews 13. What does it mean when a pastor looks at his watch? Nothing. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders, or we could say obey your pastor, and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Been a pastor for a lot of years, and I think one of the things that's probably grieved my heart more than anything else is then we've ministered to people, we've counseled them with the Word of God and by the Spirit, and then watched them go off and do their own thing in rebellion. That's grief. That's why he says, do this with joy. We have a pastor that loves Jesus big time and loves the Word of God, and I've worked with him for 16 years. And a man that seeks the Lord and all these things, he's wrestled through and is still now wrestling through the decisions that we need to make in regard to a lot of things right now. His heart is submitted to the Lord. And I'm asking you, would you test your heart in that area? You know, this sorry piece of cloth thing has caused a lot of strife and division over a lot of things. But being in a place of submission will bring peace. I wrestled through the thing to start with, and my wife really helped me. She said, we're not doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for other people. That's what pastoring is all about. We care for people. Rick cares deeply for people, and he does it from a platform of faith in this and the power of the Spirit of God. So let's test our hearts and see where we're at. I think there might be a bunch of people that need to surrender some things and attitude and posture of a heart and come into a point of simple obedience for a season, and we'll take this a step at a time. Remember, faith is required. See, faith is area of simply trusting that God will do what he says he will do, and he will do it through leadership as well. And that's what we're working for. Rick submits all of the things to the staff, and we wrestle through these things together to where we come into a place of preserving the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This thing's hard fought. And I'm asking you to fight with us in this thing. Keep the enemy at bay and surrender and submit to that which is being asked of you. Now, Jake, of course, comes and reads my next scripture at communion. Good shot, Jake. Agreement, brother. Right on. Oh, yeah, that's a good word. So go back to Philippians chapter 2. 
Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard it said that if you're looking at pages in a book, and this is the book we're obviously in right now, that it's, it's easier to retain than it is to look at one on a screen. I don't know if that's true or not, but I love hearing pages turn. Now, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 1. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, boy, these ifs are powerful. I got every one of them circled. If any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, <clears throat> maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Boy, there is a key right there, humility of mind. Primary weapon in spiritual warfare is humility. Peter says it well. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may lift you up. Casting all of your care, all of your anxiety, all your fears once and for all on him. Notice it's because he cares for you affectionately and cares over you watchfully. But humility is the avenue into this. <clears throat> humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. That's why we're doing some of the things here is because we care for people. Have this attitude in yourself that was also in Christ Jesus. Now I'll flip over a couple more here to the book of Titus. <clears throat> Titus chapter 3. Paul is giving instruction <clears throat> to a, a, a pastor in how to be able to establish a new church. And that's a whole teaching by itself. But he exhorts here in chapter 3, starting with verse 1, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready for every good work. To malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Boy, I've got that highlighted and circled in red, all men. Because sometimes I can be gentle and considerate of some men and some men not so much. This is the reason why faith is so incredible, incredibly important in this, that we are doing it by faith not just getting myself by the ear and making myself something to do something I really don't want to do. As our Lord said this to me a number of years ago, he says, when I get your want to, that's when the process actually begins. Up until that time, he says, you're just blowing smoke to me. And that doesn't go well. So he said, I want you to do, he said, I want you to tell me you don't want to do that. But I said, I do. He said, no, you don't. He said, watch where your feet go. That's what you can tell what's in a person's heart by watching where their feet go. What are you actually doing? Are you acting on the word of God? He said, ask me to create in you the power to will and to do for my good pleasure, not yours. See, when a man's ways please the Lord, he even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. 
So having something created in us, and he says, ask me to create it. He said, I want you to know me as creator. He said, you believe I created the world and everything in it. He says, you don't believe I'd create for you what doesn't exist within you. And I have literally experienced that multiple times. I said, Lord, I know I ought to want to do this. I just don't. Would you come produce that? When I've asked that in real faith, believing that he would do something, it's like a little switch flips on the inside of me and all of a sudden I actually want to do something I didn't want to do 10 minutes ago because faith comes. He produced something in me of the want to that's supernatural. If you don't hear anything else I say today, don't miss the supernatural power of God. You cannot ascertain in your logical mind things that are supernatural. It won't work. Faith doesn't come in your brains. It comes in your spirit, man or woman, on the inside of you. And when he produces something, obedience will flow out of that area because faith comes. And that's where the joy comes. That's when peace comes. He says, I've told you these things so that you can have peace in me. Colossians says that your real life is hid with Christ in God. You've got to find out where you're really at in these things. For we ourselves, once were foolish ourselves. Boy, no doubt. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts, and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds that we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 3 says, For the grace, through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. There's an impartation that comes by the power of God that's amazing. Larissa shared this with me the other day. She said, doubt leads us to deny and then disobey. Boy, I wrote that down. That was amazing. Doubt leads us to deny. Deny Jesus, deny the word. And then we have an excuse to disobey. I heard R.W. Schambach say this a lot of years ago. He said, starve your doubts to death. And I asked the Lord, how do you do that? He said, don't feed them. He said, feed on my faithfulness and surely you'll be fed. Psalm 37. <sighs> Isaiah 1, uh, 19 says, <clears throat> if you're willing and obedient, you can eat the best of the land. Obedience is an imperative. Obeying Jesus, obey what he told you to do, obey his word, walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill the desire of the flesh. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work within you, creating an energizing power and desire both to will and to do 
for his good pleasure. I think it's time to please Jesus, obey him, and walk in the light and come into a place of peace. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come tonight, today, sorry, and we recognize, Lord, that we are in deep need of an impartation of fresh faith to obey you and to be able to carry out your directives to us. If you're here today or you're listening online and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, that's the first point of obedience. And you just pray with me, simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And that you've come and you died on a cross and you were buried and you were raised from the dead for me. And I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, that's what it simply means to be born again. Would you quicken hearts today to make that initial step of obedience, to simply receive, forsake our own way and come to you and accept that which you have purchased with your precious blood? And for those of us, Lord, that are in any place of unsubmission or in rebellion or in disobedience, oh God in heaven, would you give us grace as you did with Abraham, Lord, a time to walk, and then there's a time to move. It's time to get on with this. Would you give us grace to be a people, Lord, that will hear and will obey that which has been ordained and purposed for us in the blood work of Jesus Christ? Holy Spirit, would you come and would you remind us? Would you say it to us again? Because some of us have blown some things off, Lord, that we need to step into and take some action to. Some we need to take action with you and sometimes we need to take action with other folks and to be able to speak a word in season to the weary ones. Thank you for grace, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.